Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Um, I, know, I know Joy said this, but let me also uh, say it. Uh, Easter, right around the corner, a, uh, a wonderful, wonderful time uh, to come together and celebrate our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, this is something that the early church did. Actually, they did it every Sunday, which is what we do. We, we come together every Sunday and, and celebrate our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Easter is, is such a special time, and uh, just let me do, encourage you uh, to invite uh, anyone the Lord stirs within you uh, to invite. Let, them, uh, let, let, let the invitations flow uh, and, uh, and invite people to come uh, to church uh, on Easter. Uh, you know, we talk about um, making life-changing choices. I talk about seven of them. Uh, one of them uh, is to invite, to invite others to come to church. Uh, you'll find that God will use that to change the lives of others and that He'll also use it to change your life as well because uh, it's more blessed to give uh, than to receive. Amen. Uh, some of the other choices uh, are to pray, it's a wonderful life-changing choice to pray. Uh, another one is to attend church. It's a life-changing choice. It is so, such an easy thing uh, to do uh, that has such wonderful uh, benefits. That's why we want to invite people to come to church because we know if they'll attend church faithfully that their lives will be changed for the better. I don't know why more people don't do it. People who attend church faithfully are more happily married. They are physically healthier. This is numbers, facts, research, proven. They are, they, are, they are more financially prosperous, and they live longer. Like, those are the things that, and they look better, too. I'm, I'm just kidding about that one. But, but yeah, just, we'll just throw, it's got to be true, right? It's got to be true. Anyway, anyway Easter's coming. Uh, you you want to look better Although everybody does, so get them to come to church and look. I'm really just kidding, okay? So, so about looking better, um, but but uh, but you all look good, you know. So maybe it is, maybe it is true. It's a good looking crowd. I wish you all could see. Everybody should turn around and look at the camera so everybody can see how good everyone everyone looks. Um, excited about Easter? Invite, uh, come. We'll see uh, what the Lord. Uh, will do. Uh, this, this morning I'd like to um, bring a close to our series, uh, The Bible Tells Me So, uh, taken off of the, the wonderful uh, song, Jesus Loves Me, uh, This I Know, uh, For the Bible uh, Tells Me So. Uh, I, I think that there's power in that statement. I, I feel like we should, be, uh, we should be making that statement that Jesus loves me and when people question us, then we can, you know, we can easily answer, well, well, we know because the Bible tells me uh, so. 
so uh, in, in order to kind of bring this to an end, what I'd like to do uh, is share with you uh, seven reasons uh, why uh, you should be saying, the Bible tells me so. Uh, seven reasons why you can, uh, you can trust uh, this book. Uh, like my cover's got a big trust right there on the front of it. Seven reasons why you can trust this book. Uh, seven reasons why I, I believe the B-I-B-L-E should be the book for you. That the Bible should be your book. Seven reasons why this book should be the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path. So, so if you love taking notes, it's a good Sunday to take, take notes. So if, you know, if you need to you know, pull out your phone and get to the note page or your paper and, and pen, uh, this, this would be a great uh, Sunday to take uh, some notes. And, and we'll just cover these uh, seven, uh, seven reasons why you can trust the Word of God, that you should stand on the Word of God, that you should believe the Word of God, that you should make it your book, that you should live by the Bible. Um, we're we're, we're going to cover these. Just, just let me uh, say that, um, that a, a couple of these we've already covered, so I'm not going to take a ton of time on them, uh, but, we'll, but we'll bring them back in there because they are worth uh, mentioning and they need to be in if you're going to you know if you're going to list out seven reasons I, I love the number 7 because uh, the bible tells me so um and so I like to do stuff in in sevens when I can um but uh but you'll see that all of these uh not only have we covered some of them but all of these connect and uh, and 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 get into each other and reinforce uh, one another um but but I think they all are need to be mentioned, that it's all important to be mentioned. And, and, and I believe that this is uh, especially relevant uh, in our day and age. Uh, I, I say that, but in really the Bible's been under attack, uh, you know, ever since Jesus and, and, and even before. Uh, but in our day and age, uh, there is a, in, in our culture, in our America, uh, and, and it's, not just, it's not just begun, it, but it's continuing and there's, there's a moving away from the Word of God. There's a moving away from the Bible. Like people want this book out of their lives. We, we, we want it, you know, we've got it out of the school. We, we're getting it out of our lives. You know, you, you know, we're taking them monuments down with the Ten Commandments on it. You know, I mean, I mean what are we really doing? What in the world? Lord, help us. So, so you know, I just want to say that let me give you seven reasons why we should not do that. Why this book should be America's book. Why it should be your book. So let me give them to you. Seven reasons. I better get going because you know I'm long-winded. Number one. We've, we've covered this. I, this is number one. There, there's not a reason more important than this. Number one reason... Uh, you can trust the Bible uh, is because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I know we spent like all Sunday talking about this, but, but we need to just say it again because, because Jesus is the rock that the Word of God, that the Bible stands upon. He is the un 
unshakable rock that the Bible stands upon. So, so when critics or, or doubts come against you to try to shake you off, they, they may be able to shake off some things, but they can't shake Jesus. They can't shake our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because He is the only begotten Son of God. And we know that He is because when they, when they questioned who He was and they questioned His authority and they wanted evidence, they wanted a miracle, they wanted a sign, Jesus said, the sign is going to be that I'm going to die. He, he said this, that I'm going to die, that I'm going to be buried, and then on the third day, I'm going to rise again. That will be the sign for you declaring that I am who I say I am. He said that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then he proved it. I mean, wrap your mind around that. I, I mean, the saying that you're going to die and be buried, right, that's not such a big deal. Right, everybody's going to die and be buried. But to then say that you are going to be raised from the dead and on the third day, and, and not some you know, spiritual resurrection, a bodily resurrection to where, to where the tomb was empty. When Peter and John got there, he wasn't there. It was open, the tomb was empty, forever proving that Jesus is who he says he is, and, and why that's so important when it comes to the, to the Scriptures, to the Bible, to the Word of God, is because, is because Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, trusted this book. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, took this book as a lamp unto His feet and a light unto His path. It was, it was the Word of God that Jesus quoted when the enemy came against Him to tempt Him and to destroy His life and His ministry and His purpose. The enemy came against Him and Jesus said, It is written. And then He said again, It is written. What, what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, the Bible tells me so. He said it like this. The enemy said to, to Jesus, he said, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, he said, hey, if you are the Son of God, right, because the devil's always trying to create doubt, doubt in our minds. That's like his first strategy. He wants us to doubt. He wants us to doubt the Bible. He wants us to doubt the Word of God. But there's seven good reasons this morning why we will not do that. He said, if you are the Son of God, take, take these stones. Remember, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. Take these stones and turn them into bread. And what did Jesus say? He, he, said, he said, the Bible tells me so, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Time and time and time again, Jesus said, it is written. Be worth going through the Gospels and just studying the times that Jesus quotes the Bible, that Jesus says, the Bible tells me so, that Jesus answers questions with the Bible tells me so. And, and it is Jesus who actually says in John 10 that Scripture cannot be broken. This book has the trust of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if we are disciples of Christ, if we are followers of Christ, and that's what a Christian should be, right? I mean, I mean there's a lot of stuff done in the name of Christianity that shouldn't be done. But but 
a real true Christian should really be defined as a disciple of Jesus, one who is a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and, and you know, if, if you don't care anything about following after Jesus or being his disciple, then, then maybe you shouldn't call yourself a Christian. But if you are a disciple of Christ and you want to follow after him, that is, that is what a real, uh, true Christian is. And, and, and if Jesus led the way to trusting this book, then we, the disciples of Christ, should trust in this book as well. He is the number one reason, unshakable. I know I spent a lot of time last Sunday uh, on that, uh, but, but we need to remember uh, that it's Jesus and and. And if any time there comes doubts, any time that I've had conversations with unbelievers and educated and, and, and smart, uh, thought-out uh, conversations about these things, they, they can talk a lot about stuff, but they can't do anything with Jesus, the cross, and the empty tomb. Can't do anything with that. Jesus is the Son of God. He rose again and proved it. And, 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 for, and, and, and by many other convincing proofs as well. And this is his book. He trusted in it. It was the lamp unto his feet and the light unto his path. And it should be ours as well. Really, that should be enough. And we could close and go home. But I really worked hard on these. So, so let's go through them. Uh, n- number two. Number two reason uh, you uh, can trust the Bible. Uh, God is the author. And I, know, I know that you know, one of the attacks on this is, is that it's written uh, by men, uh, but, it, but it's not. Uh, God uh, is the author of, uh, this, of this book. This is the number two reason uh, why you can trust the Bible, why you can uh, trust uh, the Word of God. Now, I know we covered some of this uh, last Sunday as well. Let me take a coffee break. Um, last Sunday as well, we, we got into this, but, but let me just uh, highlight these things again. And then the, the number three reason will also uh, very much, actually all the other reasons really enforce uh, these as well and prove uh, these as well. But you remember uh, that in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16, uh, we've covered this, so, so let me just remind you of it, that the... Apostle Paul. Now, I'm not just talking some, you know, some random ordinary somebody. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul says to Timothy that all Scripture is God breathed. So, so he tells uh, Timothy that that this thing's not done uh, by man. That that God uh, is the author. That all Scripture is God breathed. Now we know that God used men to write this book, but he was leading them, he was moving them, he was inspiring them to to write this book, to put this book together. And then uh, in 2 Peter 1, uh, 20-21, we can read this one uh, again because we had such a hard time with it uh, last Sunday, 2 Peter 1, uh, 20-21, now this is the Apostle Peter. So you've got Paul and you've got Peter. I mean, these guys are, these guys are, I mean, you know who Peter is. I mean, he's the one, 
He's the only other one that walked on water with Jesus. He's the one that stood on the day of Pentecost and proclaimed the word of the Lord. It's Peter that, that you know, they were, they were lining up sick people just that Peter's shadow would land on them because if his shadow landed on them, they would be miraculously healed. Peter, Peter says this, he says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter's saying that this is God's book, that God has written it, that God, that God spoke through, through men, uh, and, but, he, but they, were, they were moved by God to write and they were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write this book. Man is not the author, God is the author of this book. And, and if that's not enough, then just let me remind you, Jesus also endorses this book in Matthew 22, 41 through 44, Jesus says there, as he's, as he's answering this question, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. This is one of those times Jesus is going to say it is written. He said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So right here, Jesus quotes Psalm 110 that is written by David, Psalm 110 verse 1, written by David, and he says that, that David says it, but not speaking on his own. What does he say? He said, speaking by the Holy Spirit, that David pins this, writes this, says this, as he is moved and led by the Holy Spirit. So, so, so now we have Jesus saying that God has authored this. We have Paul saying that God has authored this. We have Peter saying that God has authored this book. Who else do you need? I mean, Jesus, Paul, and Peter, that's enough for me. This is, this is God's book. He is the author. It is the Holy Spirit who moved and breathed and led men to write this book that is authored by God. Number two reason why, why we should trust this book is because God has written it. Okay, number, uh, number three uh, really helps to enforce that truth, uh, that reality. Number three reason why we should, we should trust this, this book, why the Bible should be our book, is, is because the Bible is a miracle book. Let me just say that again to you. This, this book is a miracle. Now, you know, maybe to help us understand what that statement means, we need to, to re-familiarize familiarize ourselves with what a miracle is. If you remember uh, Matthew 19, 
uh, where Jesus has the encounter with the rich young ruler, and, and he walks away. And then Jesus begins to teach about how difficult it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. And, the, and the, the disciples and the apostles are there, and they're blown away by what he says. And they said to Jesus, well, how, how in the world then can anyone be saved? And Jesus, Jesus says, Matthew 19, 26, which you are probably all familiar with, he says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He, he says, you see, you see, salvation for mankind cannot happen. Salvation, if it's dependent on men, is completely impossible. Man will not be able to save themselves from the deception of the enemy. They will not be able to save themselves from the binding, uh, enslaving chains of sin. They will find no salvation in any man-made thing, any man-made idea. This is impossible for man. But don't lose hope. Because God can do what man cannot do. Because God can do a miracle. Because God can do the impossible. That's what a miracle is. It's when God does something that can't possibly be done by man. So what I'm saying to you is this book is a miracle book. Man could never have done this. It's impossible for man to have, to, have brought, to have brought this book together and have brought it to this place where I have it right here, laying on this table. That is impossible. Man could never have done that. The fact that this book, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, is laying right here on this table is a miracle of God. Only he could do this. Man could never do it. Right? You, you know what a miracle is? It's when God said to Abraham and Sarah, who were barren and old, you're going to have a son. No way. Not possible. Could never happen. Man could never do it. But God did it. It's when Israel was caught between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army and the Egyptians were mad and they were going to wipe them out and they needed God to come and do something that they could never do. There was no way they were going to part the Red Sea, dry the ground, and be able to walk through. But God came and did what man could not do, did the impossible. He did a miracle, parted the sea, dried the ground, led Israel through. It's, it's why the, the disciples were, were shocked and scared and blown away when they saw Jesus walking on the water out to the boat because men don't do that. We still can't do that. All of our technology, and we hadn't made a pair of shoes that can walk on water. But Jesus did it because He does what cannot be done because he's a miracle working God because he can do the impossible you know you know the story of the five loaves and two fish Jesus with five loaves and two fish did what man could never do how could how could man ever cut those into small enough pieces for even 5,000 men not counting women and children to even get a piece 
Jesus multiplied it so much that everyone had their fill and there were 12 basketfuls left over because God can do the impossible. And only God can. This is a miracle book. Proven it's God's book. God authored it. There's no way man could ever do this. Let me, let me just give you a few, few facts, uh, evidence of this. Um, just a few facts of this. Uh, I, I pulled some of these from, from different uh, sources. Um, one of the ones I really like is, is an article that uh, Josh McDowell wrote on the, on the Holy Scriptures on the Bible. Many of you know him, um, just like a genius. But uh, here, here's a few facts about the Bible that are they're just miracles. The, this book was written over a span of 1,500 years. 40 generations. You wrap your mind around that? I mean, the United States isn't even 300 years old. 400 years old. Jesus, this, God did this over a span of 1,500 years, 40 generations. I mean, it's not like it's not like a group of people got together and in their lifetime wrote this and put this together. We're talking about hundreds of years between authors, 40 generations. It was, it was penned by more than 40 authors from different walks of life, from different walks and different times. I, I, mean, I mean, look at the gap between Moses and David. The different walks and, and different times. And, and not, only, not only was it pinned by 40 different authors from, from different walks of life and different times of life, but look at the differences in, in who these people are. Uh, kings, peasants, philosophers, fishermen. Kings and, and fishermen. Included in writing, poets, statesmen, uh, scholars, military leaders, a doctor, a tax collector, and a rabbi. These are the 40 different people that have put together this book. Now, now, now throw on top of that, that it was, that it was authored from three different continents. Uh, Asia, Africa, and Europe. So, so you're looking at a book that's put together over 1,500 years by 40 different authors that go from a king to a peasant to a fisherman to a doctor to a tax collector. And, and, and from three different continents. That kind of like blows my mind, right? It, it's, it didn't all happen in one location. We're talking, we're talking Africa, Asia, and Europe and the authors wrote in three different languages Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Three different languages, three different continents, 1,500 years, 40 different authors. And when you look at this book, it all is united and together, supporting 
our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and telling His story from beginning to the end. How in the world? How in the world? Because, because it's a miracle. I'm telling you, man can't do that. You can trust this book. God wrote it. It's an absolute miracle. All right. Let's go on to, to uh, number four. Uh, number four, uh, the Bible works. It's true, and it's life-changing. This is, I, I think this is, you know, it's kind of simply stated, but this is so powerful, right? Because works are important. Like if something doesn't work, then why do we believe it or follow it or listen to it? If it's, if it's not life-changing, then, then why embrace it? But the Bible is. The Bible works. If, if you will take it and trust it and make it a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, you're going to find that you don't walk in darkness, that it actually does shine light on life so that you can see clearly and know what to do. It, act, it says it's a light and it works. It is. We don't want to be like Jesus said, right? We don't want to be the blind following the blind. We don't want to be walking around in darkness and saying, hey, you know, this said it's a light and I'm, I'm taking it as a light, but I, it's still bumping into everything. That doesn't work. But that's not the Bible. The Bible works. You, you ought to try it out. Like, take what the Bible says about marriage and do it and watch it work. Take what the Bible says about finances and do it and watch it work. Watch peace and blessing come on your finances. Take what the Bible says about relationships. Watch it work. Take what it says about thinking and watch it work. Take what it says about doing business and watch it work. Take what it says about parenting and raising children. It works every time. If it's not working, you're probably not doing it. You probably didn't understand it. You probably saw it wrong. The Bible works. I remember a, a story that my dad used to tell uh, uh, about an atheist who, who decided he was going to confront Saint Grandma, you know, who, who'd grown up in the church, full of the Word of God, and, 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 uh, and, and uh, something about uh, like Saint Grandmas who have grown up in the church and are full of the Word of God and full of the Holy Spirit, they're also a little bold and feisty. You ever notice that? You know, praise the Lord. You know, and, and so, he, so he comes to Saint Grandma and he says, if you, can, if you can show me one verse in the Bible that actually works, that's actually true, you can show me one. He says, I'll believe the whole thing. And, and she reached up and laid hold of his nose and she twisted it right almost off of his face. And, and, and he, oh, he went back and blood started flowing out of his nose. And she said, Proverbs says, that the twisting of the nose produces blood. See, it works. This, this, book, it, this book works. It, it, Proverbs also says, like, if you, if you snatch a dog by the ears, you're going to get bit. Right? Give it a shot. Try it out. See if it works. It, it works. And, and it's true. What the Bible says 
is true. It's, it's scientifically true. It's historically true. And it's life-changingly, if you can say that, true. It will change your life if you need if you need if things are not the way you want them to be if if they're not looking like you want them to look if they're not working like if if you're saying man i need change we might even still be early enough in the year that we could talk about well it's 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 a fresh enough year that we still think about change but any time is a good time to change if you need to change if you need to change try the word of god and it will change your life. I've never heard anyone or met anyone or talked to anyone who actually, who actually said, you know what, I'm going to trust the Bible. I'm going to start doing what it says. And it didn't change their life. You want, you want to change your finances? Trust the Bible. You want to change your marriage? Trust the Bible. You want to change your, your family situation? Trust the Bible. It's life-changing. It works. All right, number, uh, number five. Um, the Bible is a, a tested and proven prophet. Now, this is such a big deal uh, right here, and, and this really reinforces that God is the author uh, and, that this Bi- and that the Bible is a miracle book. The Bible is a tested and proven prophet. Uh, what I mean is, in, a, in Deuteronomy 18, um, 21, Deuteronomy uh, 18, 21 through 22, uh, there, is, there is given how you test to see if a prophet is of God or not. And, and the simple test is, you, you can write that down and read it, the simple test is, when they prophesy, does it come true? When they prophesy, if it comes true, then they're a prophet of God. So, so you, you test the prophet. If the, if the prophet tests, if the prophet prophesies and it doesn't come true, then Deuteronomy says, you don't have to listen to them, and you don't have to be afraid of them, because they're not of God. But if they prophesy, and it comes, it's simple test, isn't it? You prophesy, it comes true. You are then a tested and proven prophet that should be listened to, and maybe even feared. The Word of God is a, a tested, uh, proven prophet. Do, do your research here, and see. It's an amazing book, because it prophesies the future. It, it risks doing that. And then, and then, everything that it said is proven true. Every prophecy in Scripture that has been fulfilled has been fulfilled 100%. And, and the ones that haven't, we just haven't got to that time yet. And Scripture makes that clear, that we haven't got to that time yet. Every prophecy in Scripture fulfilled 100%. You ought to go and read and see how, see how it takes place, see how it happens. One, one, one day I'd like to preach about uh, Josiah. You know Josiah was prophesied some 200 years before he was born? And there were like events that took place that almost made it so that he wasn't born, but he was still born, and that prophecy came true. The Bible is a tested, proven prophet 100%. Let me read some of the, just read some of the, uh, some of the ones of Jesus. Um, you know, because we're probably a little bit more familiar with these. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah uh, 700 years before it happens, uh, prophesies uh, the virgin birth. 
of Jesus. Um, but Micah prophesies uh, 700, 700 years before it happens that he would be born in Bethlehem. It's, it's an amazing uh, prophecy, right? Because if you know the story, uh, Mary and Joseph weren't in Bethlehem. But they've got to travel to Bethlehem at just the right time for Jesus to be born where Micah the prophet, 700 years. You wrap your mind around that number? 700 years before said it would happen and then it, and then it happened just like he said it would happen. It's a proven, tested uh, prophet. The, the, the prophecy in Daniel uh, blows my mind. You should check this out. I don't know why it does, but it does. Uh, Daniel... In Daniel, there's the prophecy of the time of Jesus' appearance. The time of it. And that 538 years later, Jesus appears when Daniel prophesied, when, when the book of Daniel prophesies that he would appear. Uh, Daniel 9, uh, 24, and, and 24 through 27. If you research that and study it and work out, the timing works out perfectly. Is that amazing? How in the world would Daniel know that? Because it's, because it's God's book, because he authored it. God knows, because he's not in time like we are. He, he knows when things are going to take place and when they're going to happen. So he could tell Daniel, from this point to this point, there's going to be 538 years and then Jesus. And, and then there was. Um, Zechariah prophesied that he'd be pierced in the side. Uh, Psalm uh, 16 and Isaiah uh, prophesy uh, the, the resurrection and the exaltation. Uh, uh, the, Psalm 68 prophesies his ascension uh, into uh, heaven. Uh, Isaiah prophesies, you know, John the Baptist, a forerunner uh, preparing uh, his way. And, and uh, an interesting one in Psalms is that uh, the ascension to heaven prophesied in, in Psalm 68, 18, is that that's a thousand years before it takes place. A thousand years before it happens. So, so Scripture tells us that, that if, if a prophet is tested and, and proven... And how you do that is if they prophesy and it comes true, then you could trust that prophet. That prophet is of the Lord. The, the Bible is tested and proven prophet. Everything that it is prophesied, you can go through. There are, there are many more and see that they have been, a, they have been 100% fulfilled. I, I, think, I, think, I, I think you should trust this book. I think it should be your book. I think the B-I-B-L-E, yeah, that should be the book for me. It should be the book for you. This should be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. If you didn't know it, I want you to know it. You can trust the Bible. It's God's book. Number six. Number six uh, is the prophecy of Jesus. Let me remind you of the prophecy of Jesus that's found in, in Matthew 5, 17. Uh, through 18, Matthew 5, uh, 17 through 18. This is what Jesus said. He said, don't think that I have uh, come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, 
until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Just leave that up there a second, uh, Scott. Uh, Jesus, Jesus saying, this book right here is not going anywhere. And he says, not only is it not going anywhere, but it's accurate. There's not going to be anything that is lost or taken out of it, anything that disappears. Like one of the arguments against this book right now is that, is that it's been copied and translated for, for years and years and years, so, so things are missing. No, they're not. No, they're not. Jesus said they won't, and if you do your research, you find that they are not. The, the, the New Testament has got, got more copies of pieces of the, the original copies, not the original document, but, but copies that, that were copied down originally by hand that has got more of those than any other book by far. Thousands more than any other book uh, that, that, we, that we hold as historical history books that are true. The New Testament has more than any. And not only that, but they were copied down by Israelites, mainly. And Israelites were very meticulous when it came to preserving the Scriptures. They, they, they had a system for making sure that when they copied Deuteronomy, that they didn't lose anything. That they, didn't, that the, they were meticulous for this. And, and because of it, we have Deuteronomy. It's incredible. It's, it's an absolute miracle. And Jesus said, it's not going anywhere. And since Jesus has, has ascended to heaven... For 2,000 years or so, the enemy has tried to stamp this out, to wipe it out, to destroy it, to make it disappear, but he has been unable to do so. Why? Because Jesus said it, and his word goes out from his mouth, and it will not return to him void, but it accomplishes what he said it would accomplish. There is no force of darkness or no enemy in hell or no weapon forged by the enemy that can wipe out this book it shall remain it is eternal not the smallest little bit of it is going to disappear Jesus said it and here it is it's laying on my table blows my mind I don't care I don't care I don't care what anybody does in our American culture, this book remains. Not only does this book remain, but did you know this? It is the all-time, number one, best-selling book by far. Nothing else is even close. The enemy has tried to wipe it out, and all it has done is flourish to where it's the number one all-time best seller, not even anything anywhere close to it. It is under God's protection. It is under His blessing. Under His blessing, it becomes the number one bestseller. Under His protection, here it remains, and it will never go anywhere. It's God's book. 
He authored it. It's a miracle. You can trust it. The prophecy of Jesus proves it. Uh, last, last point here. Um, number seven. Number seven is the, uh, the beautiful unity of the Old and New Testament. It, the Old, I, I, I'm not of the group that wants to do away with the Old Testament. I don't associate with them. I don't even like talking to them. <laughs> Harsh. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Mm-hmm. And, and I am a New Testament Christian. You, if you don't know, uh, testament means covenant. So there's the, the old covenant and the new covenant, and they, they beautifully weave together. They beautifully connect. They, they beautifully unite. And, and the only way that this could happen is because it's God's book. He's the author. This is a complete miracle. Let me just point out that between the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the, and the New Testament, there, there's 400 years where there's not anything penned or, or written. The, the Old Testament ends, and then 400 years later, Jesus comes on the scene, and we have, then, then we have the Gospels, and we have, and we have Acts, and, and the writings of Paul, and, and of John, and, and, and of Peter, and, 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 and all of these... All of these come together beautifully and unite with the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophesies the New Testament. The New Testament shows the fulfillment of those prophecies. The New Testament quotes the Old Testament for, for authenticity and for clarity and to see what's going on and, and, and why the New Covenant, New Testament was needed. They come together and unite and, and beautifully weave together a, a tapestry, if you will, uh, of, of, of such unity and, and immense beauty that it, is a, that it is only a miracle of God that it exists. I'll give you some examples. The, uh, the, the life-changing, uh, history-changing, church-changing day that is the day of Pentecost. There is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the People from all over the world are gathered in Jerusalem and, and the, uh, the apostles are anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit and there's tongues of fire and, and, and they're, they're speaking uh, in other tongues, proclaiming the mysteries of God in other languages and, and the crowds that are gathered are amazed by this and there's confusion about what's taking place. Some of the crowd says, what in the world's going on? This has got to be God. And some of the crowd says, no. Now, these guys are drunk. They're drunk. They've just had way too much. Even though it's early, they've had way too much. So Peter stands up and addresses the confusion about what is taking place in Acts on the day of Pentecost. And what does he do? To address the confusion and bring clarity to the situation and authenticity to what God is doing, he quotes the Old Testament. He says this, uh, it's, a, it's another prophecy fulfilled, by the way, because the, the Bible is a tested and proven true prophet. He says this, this is, this is not men drunk. He said this 
is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he quotes Joel, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, to explain the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and what is taking place on the day of Pentecost. It's the, it's the Old Testament and the New Testament beautifully coming together. Working together to, to bring clarity, to bring God's will, to bring revelation, to, to show the, the plans and purposes of God and what's taking place in the time that, that we find ourselves in and the time that they found themselves in. He, this happens again in Acts chapter 4 as the church faces their, their first time of persecution and, and difficulty, and what they do in order to understand what God is doing and to, and to have clarity for what's taking place is they recognize that what they are seeing fulfilled is what was prophesied in Psalm chapter 2. And they quote Psalm 2, and it brings clarity and understanding to where they are in time. That the church is going to find difficulty, that they're going to face opposition, that the enemies and the nations that are enemy and the nations are going to come against Jesus, his people, his church, we should expect it. And we see this happen, uh, we see this happen beautifully uh, in, in the book of Hebrews. I, I love, love, love Hebrews. It's, it's one of my favorite books of, of like the 66. It's in the top 66 of them. I, I love it. It's so good. Hebrews, you ought to read Hebrews. Hebrews does this beautifully, weaves together the old covenant with the new covenant. And shows us what has taken place. What, has, what was, what is, and what is now taking place. And, and one of, the, one of the, the, the beautiful times that it does it is in Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews uh, chapter 8. Uh, the, the writer of Hebrews uh, quotes from Jeremiah 31. Hebrews chapter 8. If, if you're writing this stuff down, 8 through 13. Uh, again, again, the... Uh, the, the Word of God, a tested, proven prophet. And he quotes Jeremiah uh, 31. You may be familiar with Jeremiah uh, 31, 3. Uh, that's where the Lord says to us, maybe just a good thing to hear uh, right now, that He has loved us with an everlasting love. That He loves you with an everlasting love. And, and now you know, maybe, maybe now that you're a little more convinced of the Bible, now you, you feel the weight of God saying that to you, that He's loved you with an everlasting love. But in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah in 31 through 34 prophesies the new covenant, prophesies the New Testament. And Hebrews in Hebrew 8, in Hebrews 8 shows us that, that Jeremiah has prophesied this and that it has now come. The coming of the New Covenant. The New Testament and the Old Testament are not against each other. They are fulfilling one another and completing one another. They are united. And that, again, is an incredible miracle. We don't, we don't throw the Old Testament out because we're New Covenant people. We, we see and understand the Old Testament and the Old Covenant because we are in Christ Jesus and are in new covenant with Him. Also, I think uh, pretty powerful and interesting are, are, are some things that the New Testament and the Old Testament both say about Scripture 
about the Word of God. And I, I want to end with this. It's nice when you got points, right? Because I'm at seven, you got to think, wow, he's, he's, he said there were seven, so he's got to be done right, right here. Uh, so, so you know, you know, you know I'm, I'm here. Uh, Revelation 22. Um, by the way, in, in Revelation 22, Jesus says that those who read Revelation will be blessed. Those who read it and, and understand it and, and, and believe it, that you will be blessed. If you just want to be blessed, read the book of Revelation. And I'm not going to take time to do that this morning, but I could go through and show you why that's not only true of Revelation, but why that's true, why that is true of the entire Bible. If you want to you want to release the blessing of the Lord on your life, then begin to hide God's word in your heart and live by it. And the blessing of the Lord will come upon you. And, and, and who wants to be without that? In, in Revelation 22, 18 through 19, uh, this warning is given about the book of Revelation. It says, I, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And trust me, you don't want that. And if anyone uh, takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. So, so here at the end of the Bible and at the end of the book of Revelation, God is saying, kind of like reinforcing the prophecy that Jesus made and, and the declaration that he made in Matthew 5 that, that, that nothing's going to disappear from this book. God is saying, if anyone tries to add, if anyone tries to take away, better watch out. Maybe why everyone shouldn't aspire to be a preacher or teacher of the Word of God, right? Because you're, you've kind of got yourself into a place where, where you're having to rightly divide the Scriptures, and this is scary. Like, if I don't rightly divide the Scriptures, that scares me. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want any of that. I, I certainly, I certainly want to share in the tree of life in the holy city of God described in this scroll, and I don't want the plagues of Scripture coming upon me. Now, this is certainly true of, of the book of Revelation, but the, the Old Testament says this of Scripture. So we know that not only is this true of the book of Revelation, but this is true of Scripture. It's the Old Testament and the New Testament saying the same thing about the Word of God. I'm not going to read them all to you, but Deuteronomy 4.2, you can go read that. It says, says don't, don't take anything away from, from these commands or don't add anything uh, to them. And, uh, and Deuteronomy 12.32, you can write that down. You can go read that as well. It says, says same thing uh, in there. And, and then there's uh, Proverbs. Interesting that Proverbs would say this, right? Proverbs 30.5 and 6. I do want to read that to you, Proverbs 30. Five and six. Every word of God is flawless. It's like a great scripture to end on, isn't it? Here again, scripture saying of scripture and, and having all the other reinforcement that goes along with it. Let me, let me say to you that every word of God is flawless. That he is a, 
a shield to those who will take refuge in him. If, if we will embrace the Bible and the Word of God, and if we will run into it, it, it is a shield around us and over us. It's, it's, it's true that God is round about His people as the mountains are round about Jerusalem. It, it's true that He surrounds them with His favor as, as with a shield. If, if God be a shield around you, what other shield do you need? He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Let's be those. Let's be those people who take refuge in the Lord, who hold to the flawlessness of His Word. And then here it says it, like Revelation does and like Deuteronomy does, don't, don't add to His words or He will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Every word of God is flawless. It's true. It's, it's complete. It's, it's right. It works. This book is, this book is telling us the truth. It's, it's a proven prophet. It's a miracle book. It's God-authored. It's endorsed by Jesus. We can trust it. We can trust that every, every word in this book was put there by God with plan and purpose and reason. We can trust what Romans 15 says, that, that the words that are in this book were for us to teach us and to instruct us, to help us to, to persevere and to be encouraged. We can trust this book. It's true. We can trust this book. It's true. We can trust what it says. It's right and just and true. I, I want to hammer that just a second before I read the last thing I want to read. I, I just want to read you the end of the book because what the end of the book says is so very important, and, and the, the lukewarm, uh, complacent people of God need to hear it. Those, those who, can, who can take the Bible or leave it and need to hear it, maybe we all every now and then need to hear it. Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. I don't know if we could do that on the screen. Maybe someday we'll figure it out. But, but this is in red. Because that is Jesus. And this is the testimony of Jesus. And Jesus testifies to this. Do you grab that? The end of the book of the whole book is Jesus saying yes and amen. It's, it's, it's him patting the Bible. It's him saying yes, this is true. Yes, this is my book. Yes, this is right. I'm saying yes and amen, if, if you were wondering about all of this book here right at the end, let me say yes, I'm testifying to it, I'm saying yes. If you're wondering about Genesis, Jesus says yes. If you're wondering about Exodus, Jesus says yes. 
If you're, let me skip. You know, if you're, if you're wondering about Isaiah, Jesus says, yes. If, if you're wondering about Romans, Jesus says, yes. If you're wondering about Revelation, Jesus says, yes. And then he says, after everything we've learned today, he says, I'm coming soon. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. No, no, no. no. Come on. I just gave you seven good reasons to believe that yes, he is. Yes, he's coming. He's coming soon. And then, and then the response, amen, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. I, I, I want to tell you this morning, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says yes to this book. So hopefully we say yes to it. And he says that he's coming soon. So we know he is. Now, now we don't know what soon is to God. It's different than it is to us. It, it could be today. could be a hundred years from now. God is... God's timing and ours are different, but, but we know that he's coming, and we know that it's not going to be long when it comes to God's timing. We know that it's going to be soon. We know that it could be today, and, and when Jesus talks about his coming in Matthew, his instruction to us is, is simply this. It's, are you ready? He says, I'm, I'm coming, and, and we say, what do we need to know? What do we need to know? You just need to know this. Are you ready? And, and see, this right here speaks, this is, a, this is a ready people speaking. A ready people say, amen. Yeah. Woo! Come, Lord Jesus. Come on. I'm ready to go. I've, I've, I've trusted you, Lord and Savior. I've given you my whole heart. You are my forever passion. My life is for your glory and honor. You're coming soon, Lord. Come. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Come. Yes, Lord. That's what a ready people say. A not ready people say, Oh, my Lord, is he coming soon? Is that right? Hey, I, am I ready? I don't know. That scares me a little bit. It, like, a, a, a maybe not ready people are a little scared. A ready people are a little excited. A, a, a ready people say, amen, come. A not ready people say, Whew, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? You, you don't have to be scared. Today you can be ready. Today is the day of salvation. Today is a day... Jesus hasn't come yet. What that means for us is that we are still in God's patience. We are still in the day of salvation where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just believe. Call on Him. Make Him Savior. Make Him Lord. He'll come into your heart. He'll become your God and your Savior. And you will become one of God's people. And God's people say, Amen. 
Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This morning, everyone just bow their heads and close their eyes. Nobody looking around. I just, I just, I just want to ask you, do you know you're ready? Are, are you in the crowd that says, Amen? Come, Lord Jesus. Or, or are you not sure? I'm not saying you're not. Maybe there's just doubt. And today we can put an end to those doubts. And, and, and together we can renew our faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and know that we are ready, that we are ready for His glorious coming because He is coming soon. If you're not sure if you're ready this morning, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. I just want to pray together. I see your hand. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. If, if you're watching online or listening to this podcast and you're not sure you're ready, did you just maybe raise your hand right where you are? If you're driving, keep one hand on the steering wheel. Raise your hand up just as a sign that, that I want my life to be lived for Jesus. I want Him to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to be counted among the people of God. I want to know I'm ready. Let's just pray together, everyone just repeating after me. And let's just renew our commitment to Jesus, our faith and trust in Him. Let's receive His salvation and declare Him our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I believe that You are salvation. I believe that You are Lord. Jesus, I receive Your sacrifice your forgiveness, your salvation. And Lord Jesus, I set you as Lord in my heart. And I declare, proclaim that you are my forever passion. And I say amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I am one of God's people, a child of the King. And I'm ready. In Jesus' name, amen.